stigma around period poverty, taking up space when it isn't expected, doubt for girl-led organizations. In today's episode, learn how two girls overcame these struggles and took a seat at the table. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Lead Hership podcast. I'm here today with the incredible founders of Care for Women, an organization that works to tackle period poverty. We'll be discussing their process and some of the challenges that they faced along the way, and they'll leave you with their personal advice for being women leaders. So let's get started. Huge welcome to both of you. Thank you so much for being here. So why don't we start out with some introductions? Could you both say your name, age, and pronouns for us? Yeah, um, my name is Ma- Aisha Malik. I'm 18 years old, and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. Hey, um, my name is Hannah Mihal. I'm 17 years old, and my pronouns are also she, her, and hers. It's so great to have you here. To start out, could one of you give a quick overview of your organization and its mission? Yeah, of course. Um, once again, I'm Hannah Mihal. I'm one of the founders and director of Care for Women. We began Care for Women to pretty much enforce change in our community in a subject manner that um, we had never seen be addressed before, and it's been long neglected in our opinions. Um, Our goal is pretty much to uplift and support the women in our community by donating menstrual hygiene care packages to them so that they no longer have to worry about accessing this basic need. Um, Through this endeavor, we also hope to bring awareness to this natural process that is definitely still seen as a taboo topic in most societies. And we want to work towards eradicating the stigma surrounding period health locally. And then hopefully if we're able to broaden our organization um, nationally. Feminine hygiene products are a basic human necessity that every woman should have access to, regardless of where they live or what their socioeconomic status is. Um, So we hope to expand our project beyond local borders to help as many people as possible, because this is such such a necessity and it's a basic need that everyone should have access to. It's such an important and impactful mission. I'd love to know a little bit more about how you founded your organization and what compelled you to do so. I began this project after researching the lack of maternal and menstrual care women receive in other countries like Afghanistan, Pakistan, and India, where it's seen as such a taboo topic that women are even forced to live outside their own homes during when they're having their period. And so many of these barriers have limited from women have limited women from succeeding, which is something I wanted to change. And even though this treatment isn't present here in the US, menstrual care is still seen as a taboo topic in most communities and in many cultures, which prevents it from being discussed. And although period poverty is a real and prevalent issue, it is oftentimes neglected. So I wanted to promote actual change. So I focused on local issues in my community. I noticed that when volunteering with shelters, many of them didn't receive women's hygiene products, so I decided to start Care for Women in order to cater to these needs. As a young woman of color, I have to sort of break these gender barriers that continue to hinder educational, economic, and social opportunities for local and even global female communities. It's such a prevalent problem, and I'm so glad that young people are addressing it. But I know from my own experience that starting an organization is not easy. So what was the biggest struggle that you faced in starting your organization? We found that our biggest struggles weren't necessarily rooted in starting the organization itself, but kind of what came afterwards. 
Um, outreach efforts have been really difficult for us, especially in trying to educate people on what our organization does and how we can help. I think because it is still such a taboo topic, we struggle with being able to bring up the conversation in many spaces, such as community events and even with some organizations. Um, um, like we previously said, since it is an issue that affects a certain demographic, there are a lot of people who are unaffected by it and therefore don't really necessarily don't really have that interest in learning more about it and learning about the issues that are um, that affect so many women, such as period poverty. So I think bringing the conversation to the table has been really hard because of the nature of the topic for us. Yeah. And another like struggle we've been facing is just trying to raise money. And it's been pretty difficult to advertise in cultural and religious spaces because of the stigma that surrounds period health. And additionally, on social media, the main donors that we have have been women and the majority of our following base is female. And we're still trying to approach the topic bluntly while also trying to figure out ways to engage individuals who aren't directly affected by period health. I definitely agree. And on a certain level, I've experienced the same thing. Certain issues related to women's health and leadership aren't taken as seriously as some other issues that teens get applauded for combating. And I'm not sure if it's just expected of us to worry about these issues or if it's the opposite. Um, I've gotten many an eye roll when I present my work and people seem to think it's not much of a problem because of where I've gotten with my organization, as if all the work I've done so far proves that female leadership isn't an issue we even need to address. So that affected my confidence a lot at first, which leads into my next question, actually. Were you always confident in what you were doing or did you find yourself doubting your actions even though you thought it was the best way forward? Sure. Um... I mean, for the most part, I think we were quite confident in our mission and our initial idea with the project, but we were definitely unsure about outreach efforts and the best way to promote what we were planning on doing, and then also how to approach this topic with others, um, especially in regards to fundraising. I feel like we definitely repeat ourselves a lot with this, and I guess that kind of highlights the fundamental issue that we are addressing, but one of our main struggles has been finding a way to just straight up address period health and poverty. Um, Because the subject is still attached to a stigma, and it is widely told not to be talked about or discussed, it's more difficult to engage with others and discuss the issues surrounding period health in a productive manner. And I think for the most part, that's been a big struggle for us. And that's been what um, what's hindered our confidence is just being able to bring the topic to the table. Agreed. Stigma around women's issues can really affect the productivity of our initiatives and our organizations. Um, Let's move to life a little bit outside of our organizations. Can you think of a specific instance where you felt that your gender got in the way of your plans? Yeah, for sure. Um, For me, I feel like oftentimes when I try to lead or put myself in a position of authority, you know, whether that be with clubs or other initiatives and projects, I'm definitely not taken as seriously as my male counterparts. So I think I've had to kind of learn to be the loudest yet kindest person in the room in order to even be heard or taken seriously. And the standards and scrutiny from others have always felt much higher for me than my male counterparts. Um, and I feel like women have have to always be perfect and, you know, maintain that balance of strength while not being too intimidating in order to even get to a place where we're taken seriously in our dialogue and in our thoughts. I'm sure many other young female leaders can relate to this in the sense that we are sometimes seen as young girls or silly for certain ambitions, especially because I think that people haven't fully come to terms with the idea that a woman can be just as effective as her male counterpart in leading. And sadly, um, that is just not the norm yet, and it hasn't really been widely accepted yet. So I think this has definitely probably happened 
to others. And I know it's happened to me um, and I've seen it happen to my female peers. But I think at a certain point, sometimes you end up losing the initial passion or drive you had because it's honestly so exhausting trying to appease everyone's standards of how you should look and speak and dress, etc. And I think that's why projects like Care for Women and leadership are so crucial in helping our local communities and society in general um, in realizing the impact that women can have if given the right platform. And these projects can definitely help young females realize the power in their voices and opinions. So I think I really needed that in high school. So I, I hope we can leave my example for others because these are things that I really wish I had seen in high school. I really resonate with what you mentioned about having to be the loudest and the kindest person in the room to be taken seriously and to be heard. And I have definitely experienced it many times myself as well. And it relates directly to likability bias, which is something that we talk a lot about during leadership events and conferences. Um, it's just such a struggle to be likable and powerful at the same time, especially, especially as a woman. And I think there's something so valuable about sharing these kinds of experiences and feelings with others, especially our exasperation with general expectations for young women. And I know that when I first started this initiative last year, so many young women like us were saying things like, oh my gosh, I feel like this all the time. And the general sentiment of it's not just me was so powerful. And I hate that so many women feel alone in that struggle. And I personally feel such a sense of solidarity every time I have a conversation like this, and I'm so glad to be able to help others share these experiences too. So moving on, what about you, Aisha? Same question. Yeah, so personally, I mean, I definitely agree with Hannah. I feel like at times, like, our opinions feel less than men, you know, less than the men in the room. And for me, I feel like, like, the, their voices seem to resonate louder in, like, classrooms or even at, like, the mosque, which is, like, our temple for Muslims, or I'd even like home with my brothers. Um, like, I mean, over time, it sort of felt like my voice has become less powerful because of societal norms and how women should be based on cultural standards. But I believe that through initiatives like Care for Women and Leadership, women regain their voices because the message that we're sending is just really powerful. And it's been ne neglected for so long that it's become a topic of change you know period health is attached to so many past stigmas and stereotypes and just by starting this conversation we're you know we're given the chance to change the role and we're able to regain our voices and I feel like a lot of young girls kind of give up on like you know things that we did when we were younger like sports or activities that we're really passionate about you know for instance like throughout my childhood I was like obsessed with gymnastics and basketball even though I wasn't like the best but it kind of gave me an outlet to be myself and just kind of put my energy into something. But, you know, after like getting my period and everything, I felt like I couldn't pursue these passions anymore. And, you know, even at this time, I felt like I couldn't continue because I never saw anyone who, you know, looked remotely similar to me in the media or even wore the hijab. And that kind of just discouraged me even further where I thought it wasn't even possible for me to continue in sports, which I think is something that like we really need to change and you know again just by starting this conversation we're able to you know put a little power back into our voices and I feel like these next you know the future generation of girls won't have to feel like they can't pursue what they love because you know we're talking about it now and we're you know starting the change. Yes that is the goal I want I hope that 
with all of our missions and all of the work that our generation is doing, other girls that are coming up and growing up in future years will feel like they can do any of the things that we just mentioned we felt barred from doing. And I think it really like hits home for a lot of us, you know, like I feel like all girls like kind of go through something where like we're not I don't know, like we just don't feel appreciated enough and I think like it's really important to just like you know, start the conversation and everything. I love that even though you've experienced all of this because of your identity, you've turned it into something so positive and so impactful to help make sure other girls won't experience it too. And when we're thinking about our struggles based on our identity, do you ever think that you've missed out on an opportunity solely because of your gender identity? Um, Yeah, I think there have been definitely many instances where I've wanted to start projects within my community that I felt really overlooked while the adults in the community turned towards my brother or someone who was my age but male to take over or lead, um, even if they weren't passionate about what project about what the project was or they weren't passionate about the issue that I wanted to bring attention to and I think that oftentimes I've had to really push to prove that I deserve to be doing the activities that I was doing or even just prove that I deserve to be in any position of authority or leadership in general and I think this definitely really took a toll on my confidence initially because most of the time I already had imposter syndrome so by having others doubt my abilities I really began to doubt my value And it's taken me a really long time to come to a place of confidence in my endeavors and just to be able to realize, you know, that what I'm doing is important regardless of the way other people treat it. So um, once again, I think I already said this, but that's why I feel like projects like leadership and even care for women are so needed at this point in time just to show people that it is possible for like teenage girls to lead their own initiatives and for them to be successful and to actually make a difference if you're passionate about something. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I've um, had similar experiences where adults would turn to my brother to take charge or something like that I've been wanting to pursue. And, you know, even like somewhere as random as like the bookstore, some clerks would like turn to my brothers when I would be the one getting the book. And, you know, it's just so absurd. Like I've definitely felt overlooked for trying to take lead. And a lot of times I've wanted to just, you know, kind of give up because it has felt as if what I'm trying to do just kind of doesn't matter. But I think like a good thing to remember is that there are always going to be, you know, ignorant people and people who may feel uncomfortable that woman is taking the lead or charge. But, you know, it's also important to keep, you know, keep going. And even though there are people who are going to hate and everything, there are also people who will support you because like what we're doing does matter. And, you know, it's um, I think, it, you know, it's, again, important to like not lose like your, your hope and like what you're doing and stuff like that. I have definitely felt that way in that it isn't expected that I, as a young woman of color, would take the lead or even if I had some idea that I'd be willing to let someone else claim it as theirs and run with it, which is pretty ridiculous to me, but it just speaks to society. And speaking of ideas, you are both young women and your mission is focused on menstruation, which is largely and oftentimes a woman's issue. Has anyone ever doubted you or the importance of your mission due to your gender identity? Yeah, I feel like um, the majority of the people we've been reaching out to are women, which kind of like, I mean, it just generalizes it to just one like um, population. But I think 
um, even though like that's kind of not a big issue. I mean, I'm glad we're reaching out to him, but I think we've got we've got definitely gotten a lot of support from them because they too know like all the challenges you have to face regarding period health and just increasing awareness in general. Like for example, a lot of teachers have greatly helped us via social media and just raising awareness through like communication at the school. Um, yeah, I think the nature. I I agree with everything that Aisha said, and I think the nature of our mission is such that it's already a really hard topic for people to even begin discussing. And due to this, and the fact that the issues we discuss only affect certain populations, it's been really hard for us to navigate our expansion and open dialogue on the very real impacts of period poverty, and the fact that it affects so many women nationwide every year. So I think, you know, just the fact that this is an issue that. Many, I mean, maybe a lot of people don't know about or don't really recognize as a major issue has been has been a barrier for us in trying to open that discussion. And that stigma is so deeply rooted, and it tends to be hard to get people to care about issues that may not apply to them directly. So, how did you address it in the first place? Were you happy with how you reacted to it, or do you wish you'd reacted any differently? Yeah, so I think we've decided to sort of tackle this issue head on by directly discussing issues such as period poverty and the importance of proper menstrual hygiene on our, you know, social media pages and with people in everyday conversation. And we plan to continue this through our Instagram account and hopefully like once schools reopen, we can do like we're planning on doing online presentations at local schools to further educate people about these topics and kind of um, start discussing, um, you know, women's health and like um, health related clubs and stuff like that. And I think we do wish that we kind of felt more comfortable with opening the discussion earlier as opposed to shying away from the topic because I feel like we definitely could have been more confident in what we're talking about and probably reached out to different communities rather than where we are now. But I think that's just like trial and error and everything. So, Yes, I also have some regrets about hesitating to promote my cause because I was worried about not being taken seriously when I was initially starting out. So what advice do you have for other girls if they're ever put in that situation as well? This is going to sound really cliche, um, but I would say try not to doubt your abilities and your right to exist in spaces of leadership, which I know is a really easy thing for me to say, but it's a lot harder to actually, you know, enact and believe in. But just definitely don't doubt your voice and the power that it carries. Um, I hope that female-led organizations provide a good, good example for young women everywhere that they're is nothing that can stop them from, from pursuing their passions and getting involved in whatever initiatives that they want to. I think, you know, I really struggled with this. If I, I had strong females in my life, like my mom, who would tell me, you know, don't let others bring you down, just do what you're passionate about and don't ever doubt yourself. But I think it definitely helps to see women in leadership positions and to see people that you relate to, even, you know, peers, things like that, who are able to start initiatives successfully. So I think just at the end of the day, you know, remember that everyone's voice matters and everyone deserves to be accepted. And so just don't don't be afraid to jump into whatever initiatives you want to start and don't ever doubt that your voice doesn't carry power because it, it truly does. Yeah, I agree for sure. Like, I definitely think the most important thing for a lot of girls right now like, it's just kind of focusing on, like, regaining their confidence. And by doing this, I believe that they can really, like, we can really bring more awareness to topics that are more difficult to talk about. 
I think a great way to sort of build that confidence is just putting yourself in situations you wouldn't normally. And by doing it, you know, you realize that it's not as bad as it may have seemed. And from there, we'll like continue to gain new experiences. And what, you know, whether it be good or bad, because in the long run, it's, it'll be for our benefit, you know. And, you know, I think a great way to kind of voice your opinion is just like kind of through the classroom if you don't usually and just by acknowledging that your opinion does matter and I think by doing that now it'll greatly help when you may end up doubting yourself in the future because you kind of already have this previous mindset so you're kind of less likely to give up when you have like you know that little voice saying like no it does matter and all that stuff so yeah I agree so wholeheartedly And doubt is such a huge barrier for so many girls with big ideas. And I know that when I was first starting my organization, I really doubted myself. And even though I'd seen all these wonderful women-run initiatives, I was still worried that since it was just me, a teenage girl, I wouldn't be able to have any sort of major impact. And did you ever feel that way starting out? And what made you guys get past that fear? Yeah, I've definitely been in that place. And especially work with like when working with some organizations, it kind of seems sort of out of place since we were, you know, so much younger and we're donating our packages to those like older than us. It's just like, it's a little, I don't know. It, to me personally, it kind of just felt a little awkward. And it to an extent, it felt as if we were being belittled by others that like, you know, we're doing something. And I feel like for just because we were, were much younger, um, it kind of seemed something like cute, like, oh, that's like so adorable, you know, like we're not being taken seriously, um, which just sort of made me feel as if our initiative wasn't really helping. Um, but I feel like just to kind of, to like the way I've gotten over this kind of irrational fear, I, I mean, I kept going, we kept working with other organizations to like understand that, you know, what we are doing is helping like hundreds of women and yeah, I think like just getting past the point like of I guess not caring about whether what others are saying like just will really help in, you know, your benef- benefit. So um yeah, I completely agree with what Aisha said. It was definitely a weird experience at first, especially because we weren't working under another already established organization. This is something that we had started on our own and that we wanted to, you know, expand on our own. Um, And I think because of that, I was definitely uncomfortable in the beginning with presenting myself as one of the founders. And I think that was out of fear of not being taken seriously. And, you know, I would minimize myself and I, I didn't want, I felt that if I presented me and Aisha as founders, that we wouldn't be taken as seriously just because we are two high school girls. And so um, I think that was definitely an issue in the beginning. And, but like Aisha said, after working with so many amazing organizations locally, I realized that the work we're doing is bigger than ourselves. And through establishing those connections, my fears started to seem more insignificant as our work grew. I think like both Hannah and I, like, we didn't really talk about it that much, like when we first started it, because we weren't like an official like nonprofit yet. So it didn't seem like, oh, this is like something real, you know, it's like, we wouldn't really talk about it that much. But like, I think we should have. But you know, just like hiding behind that label of like making it legit, I guess it was kind of definitely like something. Again, there's just something so valuable about how we can talk about how we've shared all of these doubts and ingrained fears and societal pressures. But we're also, we're all examples of girls who have started to overcome all of those barriers. 
And it's just so helpful for me to talk to other girls about these shared experiences, and I'm sure it's so helpful to listen to them as well. And after this this conversation we've been having, what final advice do you have for other girls who want to start their own initiatives but are a little hesitant to get started? Um, so I would say whenever like if you're interested in like doing something, I would just say get started. And a great place to start, especially during coronavirus and everything, is through social media. And I feel like through Instagram and Facebook and stuff, you can raise greater awareness for your initiative and even get like more donations. Um, It may be difficult to gain followers at first. Like I feel like we're definitely experiencing that right now, but just like don't give up as always and reach out to like, I think an important thing is like reaching out and um, just continuing your progress and everything. And like another important thing to remember is like what you're doing and what all of us are doing like does matter regardless of, you know, our age and gender in general. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And um, don't be afraid to get help from your friends and family. I think like Neha and Aisha previously said, there's so many people that are willing to support you and there's so many people that are there to uplift you. And so, you know, just don't be afraid to reach out for that help. And Aisha and I were able to start our initiative because we had each other's support and the support of our parents and our family. Um, So whatever your idea may be, just know that it's important and it's great, um, especially if it's something that you are passionate about. Um, So social media is a great place to start. And it also helps to reach out to your community leaders, other community organizations, and your school for extra support with your project because it's something, whatever your project may be, if you're passionate about it, it's important and it's worth the time. So um, just take that step to reach out to others and to get your project off the ground because, you know, other people are going to be there to support you. And definitely don't be afraid to make mistakes because that's how you learn. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think we've all made a lot of mistakes in our endeavors and then, but we weren't, we wouldn't have been able to grow from anything and we wouldn't have been able to learn further if we hadn't made those mistakes. Before we wrap up this episode, is there anything that you'd like to say about your experiences, your cause, your organization, and ways to get involved? If you're interested in working with us, um, donating, having, or you have any questions regarding what we're doing for our community, you can definitely email us at director at careforwomen.org or check out our social media page or Instagram at careforwomen or even visit our website at careforwomen.org. Or, I mean, if, you, if you're not even just interested in working with us, you just want to know how we got started or you need help getting something started, we'd be more than happy to help you out. Um, and if you ever want to speak to us, um, learn about how you can further your initiative or how you can even get those started. I think it's so important we support one another, especially during this time. And so we're always here. We're always, our DMs are open. Our emails always open um, to speak to others. What a wonderful story and what wonderful advice these girls have given us today. With that, we'll wrap up this episode. Remember to follow on Instagram at leadhershipconference and at careforwomen, C-A-R-E, four as in the number four, W-M-N. And get involved with our missions. Have an amazing week and we'll see you next Sunday here on the Lead Hership podcast. Wear your masks, social distance, and stay safe until we see you next.